from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and I'm Perry. Good Lord. <laughs> this is Michelle. And this is Mark. Man, that apple got you hyped. I did. Apple and the cashews. Actually, the reason why I'm so excited is because our guest today is in the house. We have it. It's the podcast live edition. Literally. Um, we, have we had have we had someone in the studio before? Yeah, Celeste. we had the, the, the last nameless. Celeste. The, yeah. yeah. And the owner the of that one. train. Yep. Tiny house. We've thing. had a couple. In. Yeah, we've had a couple. It never ends well. It doesn't actually end well. <laughs> I wish our listeners could have seen your intro, though. He was like holding the mic like Elvis. He was getting. He was ready like, to drop that mic. It was Pretty getting much. exciting. Yeah. Um, the uh, so we have in the studio today. Are you the owner? Uh, I'm part owner. There's two of us that okay. have it. I'm the president. Okay, so the president of Covo Tiny House, uh, Tyson Edwards, and Tyson came to us through a contact we are making with uh, Graham Hill who did a TED Talk about something. <laughs> we haven't done the research on him, actually. <laughs> and so um, he, Graham wanted us to talk with you because of the, the connection mm -hmm. that he, I think, presumed would be made with the Tiny House podcast yeah. since you're yeah. a Tiny House builder. Correct. Um, but we actually wanted to talk with Graham about something totally different <laughs> so, as i agree you should Grant's yeah, fantastic. He's fantastic and so we, we're gonna we're gonna have an interview with him but we're happy to have you on the show and talk about your company because of the perspective you're taking on mm -hmm. building tiny houses but before i start it sounds like michelle has a question well no question oh. i just want to comment actually this interview is a little bit more serendipitous than even you might expect um i actually got to see one of their houses recently here in portland and they were on my list of people to invite <laughs> and you just happened to hit them before i did oh, so weird. i've been inside their house he and i met albeit really briefly it was a very crazy event um but yeah so it's it's really kind of serendipitous we're all on the same mindset this morning i think i love how that works yeah no, it's fantastic michelle came to me i don't know if you remember me it was just a tornado of people <laughs> <laughs> coming to the house and but i'm glad he's like no i didn't remember you uh, but that's okay i don't take it personally <laughs> like the important thing is that you like the house yes exactly. <laughs> absolutely so, speaking of houses so so tyson tell us about covo tiny house and particularly how long you've been around and and how many houses you've built yeah we're, we're definitely a newer company we've okay. been around uh since we started our company last year and so we're we've technically the research has started at least two years ago we kind of went around we wanted to see what all the other companies were doing before we kind of got into it um, so we've been around um, since around I want to say August of 2016 is when we actually started and the big thing for us when we started doing research was and I think this kind of leads into the Graham stuff is when we started going around looking around at all the tiny houses it's an opportunity what's gonna make a difference how are we gonna differentiate ourselves and the big thing that we were thinking about we can design floor plans we can look at floor plans and you know they're all fairly similar I mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to actually go and design a floor plan the bathroom goes here kitchen goes up here yeah we have a loft no loft but what we were thinking is we need to take this a step further and this is where one of your guests you had a few weeks ago really I think hit the nail on the head uh, Tom Stanton, and he was wow. talking about yeah. He listened to the shows. <laughs> he listened to the podcast. I, I, that's I'm our listener. Now we know, <laughs> and they're in the studio. Exactly. This could be awkward. Yeah, just I will listen to this again later. When I'm actually on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so listen to Tom Stanton, and Tom Stanton had a really neat perspective that I never thought about before. But 
there's a 1.0 version, a 2.0 version, a 3.0 version, which he's saying now that we've kind of evolved to. And that started making a lot of sense to me. And we kind of backed into that 3.0. And I want to start thinking, I'm not sure we're at 4.0 yet, but the 3.5 is kind of where we think we're kind of fitting in, where it's no longer just the standard DIYer. It's not just someone that thinks they can build a house or design a house. We want to find designers that live in this world that actually make houses design apartments in the case of Graham Hill. And if anyone hasn't seen Graham Hill's videos, he's got a couple of videos up that I highly recommend. Well, we're going to ask you to, to, to characterize, put some flavor on, on, on Graham Hill. Who is he for the listeners? Yeah. From your perspective, who, who is he? And yeah. So Graham Hill has you know, several different companities. You know, the big one that we're working with specifically is life edited. He also has tree hugger, but we are specifically working with life edited and it's similar to, just the mindset of what are you living within your means, basically, and what do you need to live in? And Andrew Morrison, in one of his TED Talks, talks about how much you spend on just your housing in general, and it's 27% of your income, thinking, goes to just housing, and the, the amount of money that goes to that is just in your housing. What else could you be doing with it, right? And so this is kind of where Graham kind of sits in that world, too, of like, do you need that much space? How much space do you really need? And he's in a un unique um, environment in New York where space is at a premium. Mm -hmm. And so what he's done is found very small apartments and designed them in such a way where, yeah, the footprint's 400 square feet, but it actually can, you know, you know it feels more like 1,200 to 1,500 square feet wow. because there's movable walls, there's, you know, if you have guests over, you have uh, bunk beds that kind of come down off the wall, the wall moves back. Um, there's standing desk, it's a movie screen that comes down instead of just having a TV there. It's really utilizing the space. Um, same thing with like the table. It's an accordion table. It hides away. It comes out. You can sit ten around it. Um, but seeing that and listening to him talk, that's where we thought we had that opportunity. We can see like this makes sense. This is an apartment, but no one's doing this in a tiny house. No one's kind of taking this next leap into the tiny house design that we think it needs. Because I mean, tiny houses. You're talking basically 300, 200, 100 square feet. And the one thing that we and through all of our research was people want more space, right? More, more space and no space. And how do you develop that? And that's where you think you see like Murphy beds and kind of people are kind of sort of getting there. But what Graham is really doing is taking that to the next level. And that's where we wanted to come in and so, partner with him. Okay. So you're relatively new as a company. Mm -hmm. How did you make contact with Graham Hill? Do you have some, is it, was this six degrees of separation or? Oh, no, this, this is just me and being persistent. A lot of emails, a lot of just looking at web pages. How do I contact people? And um, it was it was just one of those where I you know one of my personal things is you know if you ask enough questions people want to tell their story right and if you provide you know the opportunity for them and mine was just hey this is what we're doing we're a startup company and I was very upfront with them thinking um, this is what we want to do and we think you fit perfectly into this environment and I just want to have a conversation who knows where it's going to lead to or what it's going to be so there's no promises it was just I just want to talk about what we've got and it was just multiple emails and anyway contact them I was going to the website whatever they had and it was just persistent and after a while, either I wore them down <laughs> or uh, they finally read one of my emails, one of the two. They finally uh, made it out of the spam email. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's, what's your background, Tyson? Uh, are yeah. you a former entrepreneur or, or what, what, what's going on with yeah, you? Yeah, so kind of growing up, I've always loved architecture and building. I went in high school. I took all the architecture classes, CAD development. I was sure I was going to be an architect going in. And then uh, when I started going to college, kind of realization hit of reality of, uh, I started talking to people about what it is to be an architect, and it's not the most glamorous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a little not. rough, and mm -hmm. so <laughs> it looks like it. 
from the outside. Yeah, and you get to build things. Yeah, and, and they're really beautiful. Oh, yeah. And the people product. love you. And yeah. You see all these TV shows about them building skyscrapers exactly. and these grand scenes. Yeah. yeah. You don't realize that's like the, the 0. 0.111 or 0.001% <laughs> of people that do that. Um, so I kind of fell back on my math and finance background. I've always loved math. You know, again, the architecture kind of falls in line with that. It's all symmetrical and everything equals the correct answer. Uh, so I went to school to uh, just graduate in finance. And then I worked at a software company, a mortgage company. And most recently, uh, I started getting into a company that does dental management. And so I work with dentists and working with their finances and making them sure they're financially healthy and making sure that um, they're sound. But I think as in anybody in this world, they want to make an impact. They just don't want to live here and just kind of exist. And I kind of got to that point of, you know, what am I doing? You know, I, I'm having a good living. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. But is this all there is? Mm. And uh, I started going around and looking for mentors and talking to people and what their world was like and what they did and, you know, what you know, opportunities are out there. And this whole time, you know, since I graduated, one of the things that one of my own personal passions is, is I, I like fixing up houses and, you know, finding a good deal and remodeling them, putting new carpet, facelift, um, nothing where I'm tearing down all the walls and stuff like that. But it was one of those kind of I've always kept my foot in the housing world to some extent, and I've always enjoyed it. And the current business partner I've had uh, right now is that we sat down one day and he said, what about tiny houses? And I started thinking, well, it's, it's building. I love this. It's houses. Uh, we're in Portland and, you know, you're kind of around it. And you start seeing TV shows, you know, starting like three, three years ago. And so they're, they're starting to pick up speed. And so I started doing research on these. And the more I got into it, the more it made sense that this kind of fit within me. Because one, it solves a problem. And I think that's a big thing that I think some people start businesses to make money, which is fine, that they do it to, it's a passion or whatever it is. I've always wanted to say, if I'm going to start something, I want it to be a solution to something. And I think one of the biggest things that we have an issue with nowadays is the rising cost of everything. Mm -hmm. And specifically on the West Coast in Portland, all the housing costs we have, Seattle, people moving down, we have LA, San Francisco, and all of our houses is pricing are going up exponentially. Um, and it's an interesting market that we have here in Portland itself because we have a lot of young millennials and they want to live downtown and they realize what it costs to live downtown and now they're perpetual renters and are they ever going to own? And so as I was going through this, it just made sense that we could we could find a niche in that market. So, so okay, so, the, so the, the market that you're describing right now, if they're wanting to live in the urban center, Putting tiny out there's all kinds of problems with putting mm -hmm. tiny houses yep. in that in that area. Um, there's so many questions directions I can go with this. So, <laughs> um, how are you? Are you? It seems like you might be early. Yep. In terms of jurisdictional permission. Mm -hmm. So how are you? How are you thinking through that? So yeah, uh, <clears throat> downtown downtown is going to be the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a lot of research on RV parks and RV parks and how are they doing? And, and it's funny because most most RV parks are kind of indifferent to tiny houses. Like yeah, but you actually have some that actually kind of frown upon. It. Like they don't want them. Like I've asked like, would you care? Because again, one of our things as a company is like, hey, we can build these, but now what do we do when we have someone that's built them? We're just going to go take a hike? No, we're trying to kind of solve the problems ahead of time. And so during our research, I was calling these companies up and just seeing what their, you know, feeling was and towards tiny houses. And, and some were indifferent, but it started becoming more apparent. I think this is what we're seeing now is communities are starting to grow. When you, when you say indifferent, were they like, yeah, if you want to put one here, you can put one here like that? Or, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And so they said, basically, just give me some general rules. Like, does it have RV hookups? What's the size of it? Is mm -hmm. it, you know, again, one of the things that we're trying to do is keep within this 8.6, mm -hmm. you know, size, especially for the RV park. Mm -hmm. So 
um, we're just not building a 10-footer and telling it, well, I'm not sure, you got to go find some land. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to live within the world we are in. And right now, again, um, RV parks seems you know, like a, a good step between before communities. It's RV parks, I think, get a little bad rap. So so he's, just for the listeners, um, Tyson <laughs> is responding to a face I just made about <laughs> RV parks because <laughs> I know, like, in North Portland, in Northeast Portland, the RV parks up there are shitholes. Yeah, I, I, will, I will agree. No millennial is going to want to live there. <laughs> I don't no, want to drive I'm by. Not, <laughs> I'm not saying this is the best solution right okay. now. It is the temporary, it's the world we live in currently. Yeah. So Perry said that this conversation could go in any direction, and I don't know that Perry, that anybody <clears throat> in the room knows, but literally as of yesterday, drumroll, uh, the Oregon uh, House of Representatives passed the uh, IRC equivalent of Appendix V, hmm. which is commonly known as the Movable Tiny House Code. It's now on its way to the Senate. It was a huge majority vote, um, easy pass in wow. the House of Representatives. Mm. So I just wanted to say... Yes, um, you know, it's a little early, quote unquote, but at the same time, we're finding that at the government level, now at the state level and certainly at the federal level, um, there's a lot of open, there's well, a lot of open dialogue and there's a lot going on. Well, and let's talk about what, what that code means. So does that, is the code saying that you can, you can live in these kind of structures or is it permitting living in tiny houses on land someplace? So the code, the, the Appendix V at the I, with the IRC and then specifically this code that was passed by the House of Representatives yesterday really just talks about the building code. So, And what it has done is it has given us permission to live in small spaces, right? So it talks about ladders and stairs and egress and lofts and ceiling heights and those types of issues. So it really addresses from a building code perspective, living in small spaces. Mm -hmm. What it does not do Mm -hmm. yet, of (coughs) course, is it does not acknowledge either the movable tiny houses or something like that. But there is an inroad. You can actually still have a tiny house on wheels and be to code. It's called the alternate foundation methodology. I wish I knew that code off the top of my head. I turn (laughs) off my computer. Otherwise, (laughs) I can give it to you. Because I just asked Andrew about this yesterday because everybody... They kind of want to put a wet blanket on what happened at the at the represent at the state yesterday, Why? because it doesn't address tiny houses on wheels. Well, so, okay, so so it, well, wait a minute. If it doesn't address tiny houses on wheels, what kind of tiny houses are they talking about? Stairs and ladders and ceiling heights and. Th- it just it's a called movable tiny houses. It, again, it's really associated with the building codes and how to make small spaces legal and how to make small spaces safe. So so from the building perspective Correct. is what they're talking about. But the point is, again, the main point I want to make is, first of all, this is the biggest, I mean, this is so cool. I like, totally if, agree. If people are not excited about this, they are not paying <laughs> close enough attention. Yeah, yeah. But well, all I'm saying is that... Um, Number one, it's an indicator that people are very open to the discussion. Number two, we're making tremendous, tremendous. Andrew Morrison and his team is making really great inroads and progress in in these legislations. So, yes, this tiny house company is, quote, unquote, early to the game. But at the same time, I'm pretty confident. I have a high level of confidence that within literal months, the floodgates are going to start opening and people are going to start being really educated and advocating and the floodgates are going to open so, so the, on all fronts. Right. So this code allows, this code addresses the building of these things, but we still need legislation that allows for long-term living in them. Correct. Right? Zoning. 
Correct. Zoning. Correct. But the zoning so, is done, however, as you know, um, the zoning is, of course, done at the city and the county level, specifically right. at the city level. Right. So there, there are things, of course, that are happening in downtown Portland as yeah. well. But we um, started at the top, the federal government, Appendix V. Mm-hmm. Now they're going state to state, mm-hmm. and then that flows down into the city. Very and good. the harder we push and the more that we advocate, um, I just want to, sorry, I'm no, 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 this is good stuff. This is good stuff. I want to take No, 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 no. I don't want to take away from our guest at all. No, this is great. This is great. But we were kind of, again, saying, well, that's great. We're tiny houses downtown, da, da, da. But the legislation, the acceptance, the momentum that we have literally today. Yeah. Um, it's really, really exciting. Yeah, and it is so exciting. It provides a tremendous amount of opportunities yeah. for everybody, yourself included. Yeah. So, so Tyson, it's it's um, interesting. The so you've built looks like you've built one tiny house. So yeah, far. We've, built a, we've built one. We've also got again kind of looping back around, making it easy to buy and trying to make mm-hmm. it easy for people. And again, one of the things that uh, Tom brought up is that being RV certified allows a little bit easier bank lending. Yeah. It's all of the fun stuff. Yeah. And it's getting harder and harder to have the RV people come in and have you certified your shop because, again, they have to have people come by. Yeah. And so we have gone to someone's a shop that's already RV certified. And so they've already built one, too. And so we've got a couple underneath our belt with our builders. So so you your builders are not part of your company. You have some sort of affiliation yeah, with them. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Can For you now, say who they are? Um. Well, that's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> if you don't want to, you don't have to tell us. So, okay. So, th- so we talked with a lot of builders, Tyson, yeah. and many of them are <clears throat> haven't figured out the business model. Yeah. What about you guys? I mean, so the the goal of from the very beginning is um, smart design that's easy to buy. That's kind of been the whole thing. Nice tagline. And so the better than shithole. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was our first option. Yeah. <laughs> That was the first one. It didn't fly, so we had a focus. They had a focus group. Yeah. They all sat together. Yeah. It was close, but no. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, the big thing is just trying to find, I mean, it's going to be two parts. It's just not building houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of going back to what you originally talked about is where are we putting these? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in contact with two other people that are land developers that are looking to get in. It's technically an RV park, but it's not an RV park as you think. Um, they're building these as tiny house communities, minimalist communities, whatever you want to call them. But they are more of – it's more like of a formal place. It's not all of them packed in there where they're eight feet apart and stuff like that. Everyone has their own space, have their own little piece of land. But in essence, it's an RV park just based on how the laws are right now. Mm-hmm. But using them as – because they don't, they, don't, they don't want to build. They don't know how to build. But they can buy the land. They can set up. They can get the permits. They understand how to set up an RV park. And so what they want us to do is supply the, R- the – the RVs, quote unquote, the right, RVs, right. and they'll have the land, and so there'll be a partnership between them. So we'll sell directly to individuals. We'll also uh, partner with them, and we're also looking at building our own communities and finding land around here and doing the same thing for us. So your RV park, your, the RV park, um, it, the RV park designation is just to get through the legal component. Yeah. But but the the units that you're building are you're not building them to RV standard, are you? Um, that the, currently no, because we our shop. Our local one where we built the house that uh, MJ saw mm-hmm. wasn't uh, RV certified, okay. but that's why we're going to uh, our other build it as RV certified again to again easy to buy. When someone calls up, how do I buy this? You know, oh, I your see. options are cash, yeah. credit card, yeah. personal loans, 
And that's something else I want to get into is just the financing and problem solving of mm -hmm. what tiny houses bring. Um, but once you have the RV certification, now you can go to credit unions, banks, and just they can look it up on the NADA guide. They can say, oh, here it is. What's the upgrades? And this is the cost. We'll give you 15 years on that. They don't ask if it's a tiny house. They don't ask if it's an RV. They just see on the NADA guide, here's the company. Mm -hmm. This is how it's this is how it's logged. We Now we can lend against it. Interesting. And it, it's, it, it is super interesting because we did a lot of research of how do we make these easy to buy because, you know, you can build these yourself for, you know, $20,000, but there's no labor in that. Your labor is that sunken cost. Mm -hmm. But if you want someone else to build them, now the cost, I mean, if you look at someone like Tiny Heirloom that is charging $120,000, yeah. $150,000 for theirs, yeah. you, a lot of people aren't writing checks for these. Right. So how do you provide the loan or how do you get that? And they're RV certified just like Tumbleweed. And oh, they are? Mm -hmm. Heirloom is? Yeah. So, so these people who are buying these RV certified tiny houses you can't live full time in an RV. So are they are is everybody pirating at this point? Yeah, that's that's the gray area, right? Yeah. That's kind of where people are <clears throat> and so there's there's been a couple ways I've seen people get around the full-time living where mm -hmm. if you have a community and there's a house, an actual foundational house, everyone lives there oh, I see. and they yeah. spend time. Maybe, <laughs> you know, the, the amount of time is, you know, in, you know, no one really knows yeah. how much it's, you know, it's, it's, it, no one's going to come in, give me your time card, punch in, punch out. <laughs> right. And so, but yeah, there's, but yeah, your address is a different, it's not your tiny house. Right. And right. So that's how some people are getting around the RV. Yeah. 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 Are you having, what are you having people coming to you and asking for, I don't know, plans or you to build a tiny house or something mm -hmm. like that at this point? Yeah. Yeah. We're having people come to us. And again, <coughs> we've had individuals, we've had, you know, again, some of these land, land owners, entrepreneurs, buyers, RV mm -hmm. park builders, and just kind of testing it out, thinking they like, you know, when they came in, they saw our house, they've seen what we've done and they go, this is the kind of thing that we want to build around. Mm -hmm. Again, hmm. Just once I, I wanted a question yeah. about your, the, the, uh, developer components yeah. these people have developed rv parks in the past uh -huh. like their corporations or are they they're more entrepreneurs okay. yeah i yeah. see i see and they're all over oregon or other places we've had no we've had a couple of <coughs> one out of florida one i'm talking to this week oh, interesting and so and it's funny florida seems like again i think tiny houses work and again if you think of a bell curve i think they work very well on the edges mm, it works yeah. for millennials and it works for retired you know, exactly because yeah. it yeah. solves two of their problems exactly and so so um, I'm going to circle back to the to the business model. So s correct me if I'm wrong, but your business model sounds a lot like advocacy for the individual, right? Mm -hmm. So you're taking, you're reaching out to designers, you're reaching out to people that are have, that have uh, lived and designed and promote smart spaces, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you reach out to the builders, and you know the tiny house world from your research, and you sort of connect those two pieces. And and you said you you're going what we want to talk about financing. So you reach out to the financiers. So it sounds like your business model is really advocate for the individual that's walking through the process. Would that be mm -hmm. an accurate statement? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely trying to do more of that. And I think because again, it is a complicated process. And a lot of times like they, people know like, I love the tiny house, but how do I, what are the steps? And I don't think there's a lot of people that will give them each and every step along the way. Yeah. And that's what we're I trying to buy do. Buy a say, trailer. Yeah, come to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you want a DIY, I'm more than happy to talk. You know, I'm sure you saw me at the conference talking to anybody and everybody if you want to talk about tiny houses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how do I get it? <clears throat> what do I do? Where do I get a loan? Where do I move it to? sort of thing. Why, why don't you just do that instead of build them? Like be kind of like this broker in charge of <laughs> The tiny house broker. Kind of like that, yeah. 
Um, because I think it goes back to just my roots and what I think that mm-hmm. there's value. In. I, I love to build. I love having something that's tangible. Mm-hmm. As a kid, you know, I couldn't get enough of Legos, right? Mm-hmm. Building things and actually having something at the end of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what I've built. And that's the same feeling I had at the end of the day when we had the house. Of This is something that we put into. And yeah, I didn't nail all the boards, but it was a process that, you know, me and my company put together and we had an end product mm-hmm. and that people got to walk through and you could feel and it's tangible. And losing that would... I don't know. I, I enjoy that too much to actually have the, the physical aspect of that versus just, um, you know, facilitating. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, <clears throat> so you, how long have you been around? <laughs> less than a, you've been operating. Yeah. Like, yeah. Since yeah we've been research for yeah, a couple of years and then right. we actually started the company in August. How did you, it seems like you have a lot of momentum around contacts and developers coming and speaking with you. Um, you, I presume these developers have gone to other builders who have more established uh, records than you guys. How are you reaching these people? Um, I think one is just having a good product. I think when you have a good product, people see the product. But hang on a second. You you only have one time. I know, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, and so I think a lot of it is, is yeah, when you can see what you can build and the potential. And then I think, um, so since I wasn't just an entrepreneur jumping out of school, I had a lot of experience in a lot of different companies, mm-hmm. mortgage, you know, software, and then dental. I, I've had a lot of experience <coughs> talking to people and just understanding what their needs are. And I do think this is an opportune time just in the tiny house movement in general. Of people are looking for people that can facilitate more than one thing. It's just we don't yeah. do this or what other options do I have? Yeah. And um, just I think we prepared ourselves very well with all the amount of research we did going into this that I knew what the issues were. I know how to address them. So when someone comes up to me and saying, this is what I want to do, now I can help you game plan not only your side, but um, I can help you facilitate the actual building or whatever you want to do because we've done the research on RVs and building and X, Y, and Z. My, well, we've heard that there's a lot of, we've heard from other builders that there's a lot of people who are doing development or interested in doing development mm-hmm. around tiny houses coming to builders and asking them or even buying units about yeah. that kind of thing. So I think this is kind of a bridge business model. Um, you know, we there are consultants and people that do workshops and people that can, quote, unquote, give advice. And then there's the tiny house builders that sort of reluctantly put on their tiny house education hat <laughs> in order to sell a product. Mm-hmm. So their business models is a little interesting to me. It, it sounds like it's kind of a bridge of both. Um, it does feel that way. But there's this other component of the wholesale, the wholesale aspect of it. I hear that's where the money is right now, too. That's I hear what we're that, hearing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing from the various builders, mm-hmm. that, that the money is either in hospitality, mm-hmm. um, you know, buying and owning tony ho- tiny houses and renting them out because the the uh, marketplace, again, still the market is much larger for people that want to try mm-hmm. than people that mm-hmm. want to buy. But that's only because of that trepidation regarding zoning and coding and so forth. But, yeah, I think it's – I'm really – it's an interesting business model, I will have to say. Yeah. It seems to sort of touch on all the little points and, and no. kind of span the – the general uh, how you would think about going about building it yeah. or buying a tiny house. And I think you have the nail on the head on, because when we started researching park models and what makes park models special and what was their journey, because I think it's it's similar to the one that the, the tiny house journey is on. And, you know, how, what, how is that developed and where are they <coughs> now? And you have the nail on the head in terms of they're really into hospitality. So a lot of park models are going to KOAs, campgrounds, stuff like that, quick, easy, put the foundation down. And then Airbnb, these are all options that are very viable right now for these mm-hmm. you know companies and so park models are doing great right now because a lot of these people oh it's a, it's a tiny house and I get to go camping in it and mm-hmm. it sounds great I get to try it out and you know I don't have to live in a tent or I don't have to bring a camper I don't have to bring an RV and so a lot of these companies like KOA are just eating them up 
interesting e- eating up camp or park models. Yeah, this is yeah. Tiny we houses, need more of them. Yeah. Tiny so. houses and mm-hmm. park models. Even shed. I mean, at this point, even tough <laughs> shed. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah. The extension of that description, even tough shed is having a banner year um, for the mm. same reason. People are sort of starting to uh, again venture outside the the McMansion box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what do you what do you, so you've done a lot of research? It sounds like what do you. I, I want to stick to the wholesale development side yeah. because we don't talk about that very much. Um, so you, how, would, how would you characterize the types of entities that are looking at doing those type of community developments? Oh, man, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think it's interesting. The people we've talked to, I think, have been all over the board. Um, th- we've had some people that are, hey, I'm just interested in this from ground zero. Like, I'm new to this. I want the opportunity. Don't know anything about building. But um, I'm interested, and I've got a Lexus cash that I want to create an RV park, tiny house community, whatever it is. <clears throat> and then you start seeing um, people like Tumbleweed and their business plan and what they're doing. And they've recently added in the last couple months or so, like, you know, places for them to buy and they're looking for land and they're looking for people to put um, uh, their houses on their land. And so they're trying to whatever you need, because they're seeing the wholesale version of that in a tiny house version. But, yeah, people buying up, you know, enough acreage you can put 20 houses on there. And um, but I think a lot of people are still trying to figure it out. I think that's the big question. Where is it going to shake out to? Is it mm-hmm. going to turn into more of uh, a boutique thing where it's just KOA have them? Or is there going to be this influx of KOA? I mean, um, tiny house communities where we actually have. Um, legislation and laws that allow you to live in these full time. I think that's ultimately where we're going. And you know, the I, I see there in the in what was that country? Is it Sweden? Where oh, they have those vacation with the vacation homes? Yeah. I think it was Sweden. Or Sweden, where they have this suite of um, tiny houses, essentially that mm-hmm. people use as vacation homes when they go, you know, away for summer or whatever they do. And I think the United States is just getting into that same yeah. sort of model with this tiny house thing. I could see communities popping up all over the place where people either live full-time in these things or, or have them as second, really, really affordable second homes. Yeah. I, I think that part of the reason also <clears throat> why people are not, of course, buying, and I'm probably overstating the obvious, I think the reason why people aren't buying more tiny houses is because of the trepidation associated with the legalization. And so I think that people can easily wrap their head around, if I go stay in one or if I have it as a vacation home, I don't have to worry about that, right? I still get all the kitsch and the experience and the and the water cooler benefit, the water cooler conversation benefit of a tiny house. But I don't have to worry about the legalization. Piece I think that's absolutely ab- a- absolutely accurate on the retail side, and then on the wholesale side or the 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 supplier side, it's the same story. It's like, look, we can't we can't legally put these things down and have people live full time in them. But I know it's hot, so how do I make money? Well, mm-hmm. I put them down and have people stay one day or two day or transient style, vacation style, and you make probably make at least for now you make more money because you're charging per night instead of per month. And and because it's vacation, people are used to paying a lot. Yeah, because, I was, go ahead. I was yeah. Ta- yeah, I was just on that Airbnb. I was talking to someone that actually has uh, rental properties, and one of them is a tiny house. And she goes, <clears throat> it's probably 150 square feet, and I'm making $3,000 a month on it. Yeah. Because yeah. people just come in through. She yeah. has a two-night stay. It costs $50 for a clean deposit. And they got a story to tell afterwards. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 I came to Portland, and it, she goes, it's just in my backyard. Yeah. And they just walk back, and it's, it's nothing special, she says, but the fact is on Airbnb, it's easy, it's accessible. People kind of come in, you know, stay a couple nights, they leave, cleaning crew comes in, reset. But you're right. They stay for a month, they have a story, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's a, either it's a testing ground or they can figure it out 
about or it's just fun, but yeah. it's something out of the norm. Well, so the, sh- those were Swedish, by the way. They're called <coughs> Kalinastuga. Thank you. And it, was, and it was on the website called Life Edited. Oh, Com. my goodness. There you go. <laughs> oh, one more reason to go to Life Edited. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny because Michelle is t- capitalizing on this this component too, right, Michelle? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just did the math the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so four tiny houses at $145 a night at 75% occupancy, Mm -hmm. which is pretty low. That's conservative for this area. Um, will gross out at 156,000 a year. And how much are you making now at your, your cushy job? (laughs) (laughs) She's making a lot though, ladies and gentlemen, more than she was making before. More than I was making before. But my point is is, I still want to get out of, no, first of all, it's not that much. much. But second of all, it really speaks to the quality of life. Well, yeah. Because my four tiny houses, when they're all, you know, built, they'll, They'll run themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the idea, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Someone is going to have to come back and remind me. Remember when you said that they were just going to run <laughs> well, themselves? Well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> we, we've spoken, Trevor. We've spoken, or Tyson. We've spoken with um, the owners of two tiny house hotels, and it's it is hospitality, mm-hmm. and hospitality is a high touch business mm-hmm. you you not only do you have Damn. cranky customers not only do you have cranky <laughs> customers but you got to figure out uh, figure out like the like the folks at uh, tiny digs you got to figure out how to keep your white linens white mm-hmm. you got to figure out what to do when someone when some old bag <laughs> r- takes you takes your plush white wash washcloth off the r- rack <laughs> and wipes all their makeup off with it you know what do you do with that and so they're there it's not quite as you know plug and play or 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 fire and forget as as i think some people think it's also not the community well that's that's the overnighters that's also urban that's also downtown right well it's interesting because the you had mentioned um tyson i want to keep calling you trevor for some reason i'll respond to it okay Okay. you're looking at me (laughs) you had talked about that's one of the benefits of having you in the studio instead of having you online um you were talking about the bookend market of the retirees Mm -hmm. and these young people who are really passionate about this tiny house thing and i think there's an interesting match in those two communities Mm -hmm. uh, maybe to put them on the same plot of land and see how that shakes out is anyone looking at that Model. So, in terms of, so we did a little research on communities and stuff like that, and did some polling uh, with some people that were interested in tiny houses, and um, they were very open to it. Age wasn't an issue; it mm-hmm. never came up. I said, you know, what are the criteria? And they're all, you know, just you know, be good people, same mindset, and you know, communal gardens and stuff like that, and take care of your house and not be obnoxious, sort of mm-hmm. thing. But it never came in. You know, I like them to be our age. Mm-hmm. I never heard that from anyone, so I totally could see that. I mean. I do think they have a lot of similarities in the sense of they neither want to rent anymore. <laughs> and so they have that as a shared. Oh, common. interesting. Yeah, and so, I mean, kind of going back to some of the finances stuff. I mean, we I was doing research just on talking about the bell curve on the people on the end. Um, people <clears throat> right now that are around 50 to 64, uh, 36% of them have zero retirement yeah. set up. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's Michelle's raising, Michelle's her, raising hand. her hand. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're thinking about this, what are their options? And, you know, no one wants to work forever, right? At some point, someone wants to go, I want to retire. Well, some people do because their work <laughs> is their passion. Right. Well, that's true. That's true. At some mm-hmm. point, though, you want to at least have the option. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're having the issue of what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't want to rent. I don't want to be a renter. I want to have my own things and I have my own spots. And then you have these millennials coming out that um, are in this, especially in the Northwest and Portland, are coming into an environment where housing costs is going up, medical mm-hmm. is going up, mm-hmm. and the income isn't going up in as in much. A, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you're creating a deficit. And over the last 10 years, 
debt has increased overall in America by 11%. Mm -hmm. And just looking at this, it's not going to slow down right now. And that's something that we need to adjust. Again, that's going back to the problem solving of where there's an opportunity. And you start thinking about millennials. Are they saving for retirement? What's their plan? And we're in this world of credit cards and everyone adding more debt. And the average person right now is like $17,000 in credit cards. And if you have one credit card, more likely you have four credit cards. <laughs> and it kind of compounds on all this. And we're not even talking about school loans. Mm -hmm. School loans and people are already defaulting on school loans. I think there's a statistic out there that um, one in three people are already delinquent on a school loan. And one in five have already gone to default. Wow. And so you're thinking school loans are anywhere between fifty and $100,000. And now they've got all this rent and they want to buy a house and the American dream and the American dream is seems like it's shifted from, you know, the kids and the dog and the white picket fence to I just want to be out of debt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's, that's my dream now. I just don't want to, I just want to owe anybody. I don't want to go into bankruptcy. Someone needs to create a meme for that. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that's that's where I think there's an opportunity for these to come in where they are reasonable. And if you mm. can get a loan for 15 years, you can get like a five hundred dollar mortgage mm -hmm. on, a, on a tiny house. Well, that's the thing is a lot of people who we've talked with who are buying um, their tiny house on on payments mm -hmm. are paying like a car payment for their yeah. house, which mm -hmm. is really an attractive thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and and some of them are doing it in a way, like we spoke to that woman who lives in uh, Breckenridge, no, Wyoming. In, yeah, yeah. Who, Near, uh, Ariel? The ski zone. Yeah, Ariel. Ariel. Was it Ariel? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, that was her name, mm -hmm. not the place we lived. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole, thank you. And, <laughs> and she, she's a, she, uh, she's a server and she b bought her tiny house from Tumbleweed uh, is she making payments or did she yeah, buy it? Yeah, it's almost paid off. Yeah, she, mm -hmm. almost she paid off. She financed it for five years and in about a year it'll be all paid off. Yeah, so it, it the tiny house model just makes something possible that mm -hmm. wasn't possible before. Uh, and, and so that leads me to my question for, to you, yeah. which is you're talking about these demographics of people who want to live in these communities. We did a little bit of informal polling just for shits and giggles. And, and what we discovered was that a lot of the people in the quote unquote tiny house movement, mm -hmm. like the Orthodox people, yeah. those people not only don't want to be in debt, but they don't want to pay a lot for, the, <laughs> for, their, for where they're living. And so yeah. um, what do you think about the, the, the ability the, on the supply side, mm -hmm. the ability to charge the price point for these type of experiences. What do you think it, where do you think it's at? Yeah. I mean, you are going to come to the, the breaking point of, yeah, nothing's going to be for free mm -hmm. is the price. You know, again, to your point, I want to pay as little as possible mm -hmm. for as much as possible. Right. And everyone right. still kind of wants that mm -hmm. mentality. But at some point, it's either going to be some realization or it's not going to be exactly what they want. I think it's the same thing. Anyone goes to buy a house for the first time. They have these grand ideas, you know, and they're in their 20s and they're finally getting a steady paycheck. And it's like, okay, I'm ready to buy a house. And they see what houses they can buy. And it's like, okay, reality is now coming into focus okay mm -hmm. i'm not going to have the same house my parents had because you know they've been working for 40 years and they finally you know invested and in, you know reinvested and now they got this great house my house is now you know 800 square feet and it's just enough but hey um this is what i this is the reality i live in now and i think it's gonna for tiny houses i think there's gonna have to be that 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 mindset changed too, to some degree, where uh -huh. what can you live in? Are you going to have the tiny heirloom that's $150,000 house? Well, but wait a second. So, so, so like you said before, for the person who wants to live in a house that matches their dreams, mm -hmm. they have options. They yeah. can either pay the 150 for, I didn't know heirloom was that much. That's, that's, that's the highest. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's yeah. them putting the wolf range in. That that's was them. the one that was listed on Craigslist. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, so weird. What yeah. a weird market. I know. So, 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 um, you could either do that, mm 
uh, or buy Zilvardos, which is which can be around mm-hmm. that much. Or or you can do it yourself. Yeah. And like you said, you know, you're not you, you're sinking in your labor, mm-hmm. but you're getting what you want, like Michelle's yeah. house, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. No, um, I fully agree. I love the DIYers. I want them to keep around. The mm-hmm. idea is that when you see DIY people create stuff, they definitely think outside the box. I think yeah. when you look at tumbleweeds, they have standardized. They, they have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. But when you see the DIY stuff, you get all sorts of crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. And so when we were doing our research, it was more interesting to get the DIY floor plans than it was to get, you know, the tumbleweed or the tiny heirloom floor plans. I mean, yeah. you know, someone designed those, but it's the DIYers that get really creative and that give you the really good ideas. Have the heirloom people gone into more like uh um, uh, what do you call it? Limited variations in their design now? Oh, they have. Okay, Michelle's shaking. Yeah, I don't know enough about. I, I did okay. some research early on on Tiny Heirloom, and and I I've gone to their website several times. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the stamped out, but it makes sense. I mean, they're getting bigger, and you know they're growing. At some point, like anybody, you have to create that cookie cutter, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's the Ford model, Scale, right? Yeah, economies of scale. Their floor plans are largely <coughs> um, standardized, but they're finishes. Um, so that's where you can vary. Yeah, it's sort of like the neighborhood where all the houses look slightly different, <laughs> but then this one has a different color you know carpet mm-hmm. and paint and different fixtures and different that kind of mm-hmm. thing so they really do a lot of 99% of their customization is in is in their finishes and incidentally uh, most of their cost and most of their justification for the cost is in the finishes as well well that makes sense because those finishes are expensive they have and a it, really nice like full size like wolf ranges viking right. and stuff yeah. it's, 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 it's top it's of the line yeah, yeah and it's you know wave your hand over the top of your you know over the top of your uh, water mm-hmm. when it's, it's the really kitchen cool faucet stuff. you know oh and they come those, on and like, they come mm-hmm. on and off and that's the kind wow. of fixtures and yeah. the kind of custom They're super features. high yeah, end. Super, mm-hmm. super high end. Like Bentley type. Finishes. <laughs> but yeah. It's cool, but yeah, it yeah. costs a little yeah, bit yeah. more. Yeah. Well, and, that, and cost is interesting because I think the there have been some exclamations, especially in um, people outside of the tiny house movement, mm-hmm. that, you know, an $80,000 tiny house, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Mm-hmm. You're paying $80,000 $80, for your tiny house? What's that per square foot? Are you crazy? <laughs> you could, you know, what do you think about that? I mean, is, is there... Is there this this rising notion that's kind of based that's kind of is there the the false belief that a tiny house is going to be cheap or not cheap inexpensive because yeah. it's small mm-hmm. and then the the buyers the more mainstream buyers when they come in and look at tiny houses they get sticker shock because they didn't realize yeah. that their their belief was an illusion yeah and then again the prices are when you see people I built this for you know, $30,000, $20,000, because again, no one ever says I had 150,000 hours invested into this and my hourly cost is this. Yeah. And so they always see like, oh, it's a tiny house. It's cheap. It's easy to build. Um, that's if you build it. <laughs> oh, sorry, easy to build <laughs> as you're going through this over here. <laughs> um, Them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> super easy. As long as somebody else does it. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it comes down to the fact of what does it cost for someone else to build it for you and what are the finishes? And, and again, when you're not building it, it's like, Oh, I want that, that, and that. Right. And oh, yeah, I want the loft. And yeah, give me the storage stairs. Yeah, I want the ones with the cute little cupboards in them. Yeah, yeah. Those nice little cutouts that I can put yeah. my hand in to pull it yeah, out. Yeah, I've seen one of those that also has like a little picnic table attached to the side. I want that to pull down. Yeah. I want that on the outside. Give me a deck while you're at it, too. Next thing you know, you're at $80,000, $100,000. But yeah, I think it's one of those things that unless you're building it, you become cost conscious when you're doing the DIY. I think the pennies and cents make a little more sense yeah. in terms of your mindset. Like, okay, it's, I can, I can, it's reasonable. But when you go, 
and you're looking for a builder, it's going to be more. Yeah, and that makes sense. You think of an RV too, like some of those luxury RVs, like true RVs. You see the ones that you know sports teams are being towed around in, right. or you know bands or whatever it is. Those <laughs> those are 150, 200,000. And people still get sticker shock from those because people kind of think the cute little RVs they can get for like 30, 40,000. Okay. But yeah, it's it's a scale of the world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Tyson, it's been we're running out of time, so oh, we no. need to wrap this up. But wow, it's it's so much more dynamic when the mm-hmm. doc, when the guest is in the studio, where we can see him and interact with him this way. Oh, this is great, great, great show. Yeah, thanks so much for being with no, us. No, thank you. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we're lo- now looking very much forward to talking with Graham when we have him when we can get him scheduled. We had him scheduled for today this morning for this yeah. morning, and he he's hard on the nail down. He's, he's gonna keep on emailing yeah. like yeah. I did. Just keep yeah. on sending emails. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, thank you for being on the show. No, thank you. And Tiny House listeners, this has been another really awesome uh, show. And is this one going to follow? This one's going to follow the uh, the Alan Graham st- one we did. This Absolutely. Morning, right? yes. Okay. Yep. So now we've had two really good uh, shows in a row, and uh, keep listening because the shows are only going to get better. Absolutely. Too fun. All right. See ya. See you on the flip side. Have a Thank good you. one. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>